Let's look in our Bibles this morning to the book of Romans to chapter 10. The book of Romans and in chapter 10, both this morning and our afternoon services, we'll have text that should be familiar to all who are any way familiar with the word of God. This morning we'll read in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Sort of reminds me of many today in religion. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The title of our message is Motivation for Mission Work. You look at Romans chapter 10, you may not view it normally as having to do with mission work, 
but it certainly does. If we study it rightly, there's many things that we learn from this passage of Scripture. But this morning I want us to concentrate on motivation for mission work. Of course, all the motivation any church of the Lord ought to need is just the command of the Lord. I'm going to go back and read that. Hold your places in Romans uh, 10, if you would. But in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 18 through verse 20, the Bible says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, the word authority is involved there, all power authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Amen. Let me point this out while I'm here. All authority is given unto Jesus Christ. The one who possesses all authority here in these verses, in these words, authorizes his churches to go into the world, make disciples, teach all nations. I'm going to go from here to the book of Mark, chapter 16. Mark, and in chapter 16, here I'll read verse 15 and verse 16. And he, he, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Again, just in the passage in Matthew and here in Mark is really all the motivation any of the Lord's churches ought to need, what is commonly referred to as the, the Great Commission is actually command by the Lord to his churches, go into the world, make disciples, and that is done by the preaching of the gospel, preach the gospel to every creature. Other than the command of the Lord, the Lord has graciously given other things in his word to his churches that ought to also serve as motivations for mission work. Anyone that's known me for any length of time know that I certainly believe the Bible teaches the Lord's churches are to be doing some form of mission work, something they can do to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text is one of the strongest motivations I know of in the world 
other than those commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to say this at the beginning of the message just to be clear. No one is authorized by the Lord to go into the world and carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ other than his churches. No one else has received that commission from the Lord to go into the world. The command of the Lord, the commission to go into the world has been given to no one else other than the Lord's churches. There is no convention, there is no association, there is nothing in the world. There's no mission board or anything else that has ever been authorized by the Lord to carry the gospel into the world. The Gideons have no authority from God. It's the Lord's churches. I know people can say, well, these convention associations and mission boards are supported by Lord's, the Lord's churches, but find me one in the word of God. Find me one in the scripture. It is to and for the Lord's churches. Having said that, I will say, Every true Baptist church is a missionary Baptist church, whether they have it on the name outside on a sign or not. If they are not a missionary Baptist church, they are out of gospel order and in rebellion to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of the Lord's churches, no matter how small or how large, is able to do something to carry the gospel into the world. They can send, they can go, they can support those that are going, they can do something. Every one of the Lord's churches can do something. Remembering the Lord's command to go into the world and preach the gospel, I want to look in Romans chapter 10, and just point out some things that relate to that commission. I cannot dwell on everything that we have read. I'm going to begin in verse 9 and verse 10 of Romans chapter 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In verse 10, rather, rather verse 9, I'll go back there, but it's also mentioned in verse 10. What is meant by confessing? Confessing. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. In verse 10, the last half of the verse, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is meant by this confession? First of all, I'll say that biblical confession has no similarity at all to the Church of Rome's confessions. It, it, theirs is a perversion 
is something that is foreign to the word of God. By definition, the word confess in verse 9 and confession in verse 10 means to assent to, it means to acknowledge, it means to agree. Has nothing at all to do with going in a confessional booth saying, Father, I have sinned. Has nothing to do with that at all. In verse 9 and verse 10, the word confess means to acknowledge and to agree with. It involves a very deep conviction of what the matter uh, involves here. In verse 9 and verse 10, what it is that is to be agreed to. If in verse 9 and in verse 10, the word confess and confession means to acknowledge and to agree with, what is it that is to be acknowledged? What is it that is to be agreed to? Well, if you'll notice in verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. But what is it to confess, to acknowledge, to agree to the Lord Jesus? What does that mean? It means to acknowledge, to agree, to have a deep conviction that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. When you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you are acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. You might notice something, and I don't I can't really explain the difference here. But in verse 9, confession precedes the believing in the heart. In verse 10, believing precedes the confession. Again, I cannot explain what it is. There are several things that I'll mention that are required before any individual can truly confess that Jesus is Lord. Something must happen first. First of all, there must be that quickening work of the Holy Spirit of God. There must be a, a new heart and a, a new spirit. There must be a new nature. There must be a new birth. There must be the possessing of the fruit of the Spirit. As we mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. Without that, no one can truly confess that Jesus is Lord. It should be clear to all that one who is spiritually dead cannot truthfully acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Notice, if you would, in 1 Corinthians and in chapter 12. 1 Corinthians and in chapter 12, and I'll read you verse 3. The apostle writing here says, Wherefore I give you to understand. It's a pretty strong beginning there. There's something here that he wants to make very clear. 
I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. You can search the world over and you will not find one Jew who will confess that Jesus is Lord. You will not find one Gentile who will confess that Jesus is Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit preceding that confession. They will not do it. They will not do it. A Jew will never acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Gentiles will not give up their idols, their philosophy and all that is involved with it to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, I want to point something out here and you can scan over the verses as I, I mentioned this. Notice only two things are mentioned here. Only two things. The mouth and the heart. That's it. The mouth and the heart. Confess with thy mouth, believe in thine heart. Hands are not mentioned. Feet are not mentioned. No works of man are mentioned. Only the operation of God enabling the mouth to truly confess and the heart to believe. Verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, I read that just to point out the word whosoever. Whosoever. Notice in verse 11, uh, Rather, verse 13, if you would. Whosoever, once again, whosoever. Verse 12, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. One of the greatest truths you'll find in relation to this as the Bible tells us, God is no respecter of persons. How we ought to rejoice in that. God is no respecter of persons. We are told, as we have read, that we are to go into the world and make disciples. We are to preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Why? Why ever? You know, the Lord did not send his church to go to one culture, one race, one type of people, one class of people. He said, I want you to preach the gospel to everybody, everybody, every creature. There is no difference, we're told here in verse 12. There's no difference. There's no difference. I wish some people could get that in their mind. There is no difference. When you go into the world to preach the gospel, there's no difference in people all over this world. It does not matter their language, their culture, their race. It does not matter. There's no difference. Tell them all the same thing. Preach the gospel to every one of them. 
Whosoever is one of the greatest words I know of relating to mission work. I've been to several places in the world carrying the gospel, and it does not matter where I go, what kind of people it is, what kind of houses they got, if they have a church building, don't have one, whatever. It does not matter. We just preach the gospel to Just preach the gospel to That's all we are, are told to do. And notice in verse 12, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Notice the richness of the Lord unto all that call upon him. Wednesday evening, I'm going to go back to it. We looked at uh, the book of Psalm, Psalm 145. I'm going to read verse 18 of Psalm 145. The Lord is nigh unto all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. To all that call upon him in truth, the Lord is near unto in a very special way. Romans 10 verse 12, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. If, as we read here in this passage of scripture, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, it is evident that the Lord is rich unto all that call upon him in truth. Just consider. The scripture tells us in verse uh, verse 11, it tells us in verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. You cannot imagine a greater richness that is involved in salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's because the Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. And the riches of salvation are numerous, far more than we know in this lifetime. I'll mention the title of the message again, Motivation for Mission Work. It's very important. This motivation is given to us by the Apostle Paul in four questions. Four questions that the Apostle Paul sets forth in verses 14 and 15. He is, he is building here and building uh, all the way up to this. He's come to the point where he says, now here's four things to consider. Number one, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? He had just stated in verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He follows that by the first of four questions. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? The second question, 
How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? The third question, how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, the fourth question, how shall they preach except they be sent? Now you'll notice all four of these questions began with the word how. How could it be? How could it be? How could it be that anyone would ever call upon someone they, they don't believe in? How can someone believe in someone they've never heard of? How is it people can hear unless somebody comes and preaches the gospel? How can they hear without a preacher? And the same how in the last one is just as important as the other three. How shall they preach except they be sent? All four of these questions require a negative answer. Every one of them requires a negative answer. No one can call upon someone they've never believed in no one can believe in someone they've never heard of. No one is going to hear without a preacher. And no one can rightly preach except they be sent. Every one of those questions demand a, a negative answer. And I want us to just, just consider this. It is a motivation for mission work. Look at these four questions and I want to look at them in reverse. Look at them in reverse. Verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? The preaching. Notice in verse 15, they preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In order to do that, the preacher must be sent. Freelance preaching is never authorized by the word of God. No one can rightly, scripturally just take it upon themselves. I'm going to go preach. They must be sent. First and foremost, sent by God. Secondly, sent by one of the Lord's churches. An individual is sent by one of the Lord's churches, but it's not rightly called and sent by God. That sending of the Lord's churches is, means nothing. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. You can never get away from Acts. You deal with mission work. Acts chapter 13. I'll read verse 1 through verse 4. Acts 13 verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Maonin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they 
being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed. I'll just stop there. Now notice, they're sent by the Holy Spirit. They're sent by the church. There's this dual sending here. When you look in, in Romans and in, in chapter 10, how shall they preach in verse 15 except they be sent? Here's the example, the biblical example. One of the Lord's churches, the church of God at Antioch, sending them forth, even as they were sent by the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 15, a preacher is sent. A preacher is sent. That all just soak in. How shall they hear without a preacher? You consider the lot of the mission work that's going on even among Baptists today and how little of it involves the true preaching of the word of God. Do a lot of other things. We'll hand out tracts. We'll do this and that. We'll give all kind of things and do many different things. Where's the preaching? Where's the preaching? Where's the preacher? What's he doing? Preaching. Preaching. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Titus in chapter 1. Titus and in chapter 1. Titus 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in, in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. I'll go from there to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and then verse 21. And I'll just read it to you. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. One of our trips to Thailand, Janice and I on one of those trips, met some people being sent from churches in the United States on what they call was a mission trip. Guess what they were sent to do? Paint houses. Paint houses. They were just told, go over there and just ask people, do you want your house painted? Well, yeah, well, we'll paint it. Get through with that house, go down the road. You want your house painted? Yeah, we will paint it. It was a mission trip, they said. Where's the preaching? Where's the preaching? Where's the preaching? I truly believe God manifests his word through, through preaching. In our text, in verse, verse 14, as the preacher preaches, there are some who are able to hear. Or maybe I should say who are enabled to hear. They're given a hearing ear. Hold your place there. Look in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs and in chapter 20, verse 12, Proverbs 20 and verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Repeatedly, Jesus would say, he that hath an ear to hear, 
let him hear. The hearing ear is from the Lord. Why is it some cannot see or perceive? The seeing eye is from the Lord. You might remember Lydia out by the riverbank at a prayer meeting. Paul and others came there and met with them. Paul was speaking. Lydia did not have a clue as to what he was saying. Had no understanding. Till the Lord opened her heart. Till the Lord gave her a hearing ear. How did he do that? He gave her a new heart. He opened her heart. In our text in Romans chapter 10, still looking backwards, the one who truly hears the preaching believes. One who hears the preaching believes. Then, the one who truly believes calls on the name of the Lord. Again, referring to Psalm 145, verse 18, they call on the Lord in truth. Faith must precede this true calling upon the name of the Lord. Motivation for mission work. If you look at this, and as I have here, look at those four questions backwards, the sending is so important. The sending, send the word, send the preacher, send them. Somehow get the gospel out into the world. God's got some people out there. God has his elect out there. I know there are no limitations with God. There are no constraints with God. But God's usual manner of saving sinners is by the Lord's churches sending the gospel and through his churches and the preaching of the gospel, sinners are saved. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Verse 15 before our close. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. What does that mean? The beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring these this gospel of peace and glad tidings. The wording there actually means how beautiful is their travel, their goings, how beautiful is their arrival. That's what is meant by those words. What a wonderful thing it is when you can go into the world, and I'm thankful I've been able to do that on some occasions, go into the world where they've never heard it and tell them about Jesus. They may not realize it at first, but they'll look back and say, boy, that arrival of those missionaries was a wonderful thing for me and my family and my village. How beautiful is the arrival. How beautiful is, is the approach the goings of those who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. Here in Romans chapter 10, in these words, the Apostle Paul has made a very powerful, persuasive statement concerning the mission work of the Lord's church. 